I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door of the sheep. I am the good shepherd. Knowing who Jesus is and what he can do for you is vitally important. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way and the truth and the life. I am the true vine. Knowing why Jesus is unique in the midst of our diverse culture is equally meaningful. Why Jesus and not Muhammad or Buddha or one of the many gods of Hinduism? If the great I am statements of Jesus are true and he is not a liar or a lunatic, there's no doubt he is still the one and only. I'm Ron Jones, something good starts right now. is filled with false gods and man-made idols, but there is only one I am. Hello and welcome to Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. My name is Brian. Thanks for stopping by. And today, Ron begins his teaching series, Why Jesus? Seven Reasons He is Still the One and Only. Along the way, you'll discover not only who Jesus is, but why you should believe that He is who He claims to be. Stay with us now or visit somethinggoodradio.org to listen on demand on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. From Exodus chapter 3, here's Ron with today's Something Good radio message, The Power of I Am. Well, we are living in a time when everything we thought was nailed down is coming loose. Have you noticed that? Everything you thought you could count on all the values, all the traditions, some of the foundations, they, they seem to be coming apart at the seams. Uh, social revolutionaries are working really, really hard to try to get us to, to think and act and even uh, believe differently than we have before. They've been relentlessly attacking our Judeo-Christian values for decades, and in my opinion, they're doing a pretty good job of weakening the moral foundation of our country. Uh, Ravi Zacharias is one of the great uh, Christian apologists of our time, and he agrees. In fact, he made note of the cultural shift that is taking place in our generation. He says, we are facing one of the greatest crises in the history of religion. Truth is being cast aside in the name of tolerance and cultural relativism, all under the guise of a new spirituality. He goes on to say, having become accustomed to abundance and the bliss of multiple choices, we now have a spiritual supermarket before us from which we may select whatever form of spirituality we desire. Ravi Zacharias hit the nail right on the head. And some of you are saying, well, that's, that, that's a good thing. It's a good thing that we have choices. We love choices as Americans, don't we? Uh, we love choices in the cars that we drive. We love choices as we go to the supermarket and the food that we buy. Uh, we, we love choices, well, I guess, even in religion. And we're in this, this supermarket of spirituality where uh, whatever you want to believe is okay, and you're okay, and I'm okay, and every, every, every opinion and every value system and every belief system is equally valid. The problem in all of that is that the uniqueness of Jesus somehow gets lost in the midst of all of that. And even uh, Bible-believing, church-going Christians who name the name of Christ are having a difficult time today articulating 
why Jesus? Why Jesus in the midst of the spiritual supermarket and the diversity of thoughts and ideas and beliefs that we have, especially when uh, those, those um, uh, revolutionary idea makers come at us like gale force winds and try to change the way we think and we act and we believe. Uh, how do we as believers articulate the uniqueness of Jesus? Why Jesus in the midst of the culture that we're in today? And so I want to begin a series of messages by that title today, Why Jesus? And we're going to talk about seven reasons, seven reasons he is still, still the one and only. Knowing who Jesus is and what he can do for you is vitally important. Equally meaningful is being able to articulate why Jesus is unique in the midst of a diverse culture, the diverse culture in which we live. I'm going to dare to ask the question this morning, why Jesus and not Muhammad? Why Jesus and not Buddha? Why Jesus and not one of the many, many, if not hundreds of gods you can find in Hinduism? What makes Jesus so unique? It's a question, I think, that, that is the question of our day, and it's a question that we as Christians need to be able to articulate and answer. And during this series, we're going to be in the Gospel of John to find answers to that question, because uh, John, John provides some material for us in his Gospel that the other Gospel writers don't include. Uh, the Holy Spirit led John to include, among other things, the seven I am statements of Jesus. These are self declarative statements that Jesus made. He said things like, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. He, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He dared to say, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. And as we get to know Jesus, who is the great I am, it will help us understand why, why he is unique and, and why we can say that, that he is still, he is still, after uh, 2,000 years of church, still the one and only. Now, to, uh, uh, to fully understand these great I am statements, we really need to start in the Old Testament. And we need to start with a guy named Moses. You remember Moses, don't you? He's a guy that looks like Charlton Heston, in case you forgot. And it's best to understand Moses' life is sort of like a three-act play. He, he lived to the age of 120 before he died on Mount Nebo, uh, just on this side of the Promised Land. Act one, the first 40 years of his life, he grew up in Egypt. And you know the miraculous story of how he was uh, taken out of the, the basket there in the Nile River and, and basically adopted by Pharaoh's daughter. And he grew up, the Bible says, in all the wisdom and all the learning, really all the privilege of Egypt. He, he grew up in a wealthy household in, as, as Pharaoh's daughter. And, and he went to the best of schools. In our vernacular today, we would say that Moses was Harvard educated. And, and, and by the time he reached the age of a young man and even into his 40s, uh, Moses, Moses was quite a dude. I mean, he had a lot going for him. Well-educated, well-trained, well-prepared. The Bible says he was very eloquent, could stand before people and just spin a yarn and, and speak very eloquently before people. But one day, that very confident Moses took matters into his own hands. You remember the story in the Old Testament? And there was, a, there was an Egyptian and a Hebrew slave that were kind of in battle with each other, and Moses sided with the Hebrew, and he struck the Egyptian, killed the man, dead. It wasn't a good day for Moses. <laughs> Uh, he, he, he acted out of his emotions, taking matters into his own hands, and he tried to cover up uh, his, his murder there, and, and, uh, but word spread, and, and it, 
became very obvious to Moses that he had only one choice. Uh, he, he fled to Midian. He fled to the backside of the desert. And there he met uh, a woman uh, who was the daughter of a Midianite priest named Jethro. And for the next 40 years, act two of his life, he spent him on the backside of the desert doing manual labor for his father-in-law, taking care of his stinky, smelly, stubborn sheep. I mean, for a guy like Moses, that was the last place he thought he would end up. And so for the second act of his life, the next 40 years of his life, he's on the backside of the desert. And it's at the age of 80, at the age of 80, that the, the once confident Moses, who's now feeling a bit insecure, and that confidence has evaporated, he's kind of wondering who he is and why he is here, that's, that's when God showed up and spoke to him from a burning bush. I, I read just a few minutes ago a little bit about that conversation. Let me read it again. Exodus chapter 3, verse 15, verse 13 rather. Uh, let's pick up the conversation here. Then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me what is his name, what shall I say to them? The Lord speaking from this burning bush says to Moses, you're my man, you're my leader to go back to Egypt and to lead uh, the Hebrew slaves out of Egyptian slavery. And Moses says, yeah, but if, if I go to them and I tell them that you sent me, they're going to say, what, what's his name? I mean, who, who am I to go back there? What, what's his name? And the Bible says that God said to Moses, tell them, I am who I am sent you. I am who I am. That's his name. Now, did you know that there are over 80 names or titles by which God reveals himself in Scripture? I, I've got one name with three parts, a first name, a middle name, I've got a last name. I might have a few nicknames. My, my wife has a nickname or two that she'll call me by that's between us. I won't, I won't share that with you this morning, okay? Some people have called me some really good names on occasion, all right? But I don't have 80 names or titles, God does. And every one of those names and every one of those titles in Scripture reveals something about who He is, about the person and nature of God. I, I find it interesting, almost a little bit strange, that God would pick this one. I am who I am. I mean, what, what kind of name is that? It sort of reminds me of an old Dr. Seuss character. I am Sam. Sam, I am. I love to eat green eggs, green eggs and ham. You ever heard that before? I mean, I'm a pretty simple guy, and it just made me think about that. And I thought, what kind of name is this that he would reveal himself to Moses, tell Moses to go back to Egypt and say to the people of Israel, I am has sent you? Well, the name in the Hebrew literally means Yahweh or Jehovah. It's translated Lord in our English Bibles in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, in the Greek language, it's ego I me, I am who I am. And it literally means the absolute and all-sufficient one who works on our behalf. So the once confident Moses, who, who now is filled with all kinds of insecurities at the age of 80, and who among us is not, if we're honest with ourselves, uh, when he hears the word or the name, I am who I am, it was meant to evaporate all of those insecurities and give him a God confidence as he went back to Egypt and, and represented the I am who I am. 
Don't go away. We'll be right back with more of Dr. Ranjan's message, The Power of I Am. If you're new to the program, we want you to know that all of Ron's messages are archived at our website, somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. When you stop by, use the Partner tab at the top of the homepage to check out the 828 Club, a special group of people who partner with Ron so that he can share these internet and radio broadcasts the whole year through. Join the 828 Club right from our website or call us at 757-276-1099. That's 757-276-1099. And Jesus said to them, Before Abraham was, I am. Strong words, true words. But to the Jews, they were fighting words. Here's Ron with the rest of today's Something Good radio message, The Power of I Am. Uh, maybe a little Greek grammar helps here. In the English, I, I am, if I remember from my grammar class, is the present tense of the verb to be, right? I, I see the, the grammar teachers out there saying yes. Uh, so in one sense, the Lord says, my name is, uh, I be who I be. Isn't that a good one? I be who I be. And the grammar teachers are saying, no, that's, that's not a good way of saying it, but, but that, that kind of works here. And it reminds me of what Shakespeare said. To be or not to be, that is the question. Shakespeare viewed life as a big question mark. But friends, when God shows up, when the great I am shows up, when when the one who is called I be who I be shows up, it's not a question mark, it's an exclamation point. There's no ambiguity in his mind of who he is or why he is there or what he is up to. Uh, Louis Giglio is a pastor in the Atlanta area and pretty well known for his uh, college ministry. And he wrote a book several years ago by an interesting title. It's titled, let me see if I can get this right, I Am Not, But I Know I Am. <laughs> I would have loved to have been in the editorial room with his publisher when he pitched that title because it's, it's really hard to kind of spit that one up. I am not, but I know I am. And in Louis's book, He suggests that God was saying to Moses at this time, I am the center of everything. I am running the show. I am the same every day forever. I am the owner of everything. I am the Lord. I am the creator and sustainer of life. I am the Savior you need. I am more than enough. I am inexhaustible and immeasurable. I am God. And no wonder... No wonder that was meant to evaporate every insecurity that Moses had when he went back to Egypt so he could stand strong before Pharaoh and strong before the people of Israel and say, let my people go. He was going in the name of the inexhaustible, immeasurable, great I am, the one who says, I am God. And so every Jew for every generation from Moses forward understood Yahweh, Jehovah, in the Greek language, ego, I, me. And and so when Jesus evokes this name, (laughs) we shouldn't be surprised by the response. Turn in your Bibles with me to John chapter 8, John chapter 8. And right in the midst of one of the conversations and interactions that Jesus has with a group of people, there's an interesting conversation here. John chapter 8, beginning in verse 56 Jesus says, your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, 
you are not yet 50 years old and you have seen Abraham? And Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, now listen to this, before Abraham was, ego I me, I am. I am. And the scripture goes on to say, so they picked up stones to throw at him because Jesus hid himself, or but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Why did they pick up stones to throw at Jesus? Because they knew exactly what he was saying. He was claiming deity. He was claiming to be the great I am. I know some people say, oh, no, Jesus never claimed to be God. That was just something trumped up by the early apostles to inflate his, his persona as the early church started. Hogwash. You've never read the Bible if you say that. Here's one of many places, many places where Jesus claimed to be God. He couldn't have done it in a stronger way than to say, I am who I am. Before Abraham was, ego I me. And it's why the Jews reacted so strongly to what this guy was saying. They knew he was equating himself with the great I am. And so one of the things we can say before we get to the seven exact reasons Jesus is still the one and only, one of the reasons we can say he is the one and only is because he is the eternally self-existent one. He's the great I am. When you make a claim like this, you're either a little bit loony and you need to be checked into the funny farm, or you're a liar and the greatest con artist that ever lived, or you're exactly who you say you are, and we need to pay attention to him. And of course, I'm in the third category there. I believe Jesus is exactly who he said he was, the great I am. He is the eternally self-existent one, but he's much more than that as the great I am. He's also powerful. Get this, powerful beyond measure. Turn with me now to John chapter 18. John chapter 18. And now I want to fast forward in Jesus' life and ministry to um, the night before he was crucified. He's with his disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, we get the sense in Scripture that he, he went there often during his ministry to have some quiet time and just get alone with his disciples. You remember he invited his prayer partners, Peter, James, and John, a little bit deeper into the garden to pray with him, but you know, they fell asleep. Jesus prayed. They fell asleep. He woke them up. They fell asleep again while Jesus was praying, and all the prayer time has passed, and, and now, in John's language, the hour has come. And Jesus grabs his disciples, and he comes out to a portion of the garden there, and that's, that's when a battalion of Roman soldiers show up. Some scholars believe as many as 600 Roman soldiers showed up in the Garden of Gethsemane the night before Jesus was crucified, led by none other than Judas, and they were there to arrest Jesus. Let's pick it up in John 18 and verse 4. The Bible says, Then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward and said to them, Whom do you seek? And they answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus said to them, here it is, Ego, I me. I am he. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing there. Now listen to this. When Jesus said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Friends, that's power beyond measure. All Jesus had to do was speak his name and 600 Roman soldiers fall back like bowling pins. 
He didn't have to call on an army. He didn't pull out any weapons. He just said, I am he. And that name echoed through the hallways of eternity so powerfully that it blew these guys back to the ground. He's still the one and only because he's powerful beyond measure. He's the one who speaks the worlds into existence at the moment of creation, all the way back in Genesis, the Bible tells us. He says, let there be light, and there's light. Calls into being that which does not exist and starts the whole creation thing. Jesus has what I would call inherent power. He just speaks his name, and a whole battalion of Roman soldiers falls down. I am. Those words and that name have power. The power to heal, to comfort, to save. Put your faith in the name of Jesus today. You're listening to Something Good Radio with Dr. Ron Jones. Today's message, The Power of I Am, along with all of Ron's messages, can be heard on demand at somethinggoodradio.org. Use the radio tab at the top of the homepage. That's somethinggoodradio.org. While you're there, be sure to check out a discipleship coaching experience developed by Dr. Ron Jones called Starting Point, a disciple's first steps. Look for Something Good courses at the top of the homepage when you visit somethinggoodradio.org. Is the Bible intimidating for you to read? Do you need someone to help guide you through God's Word? Hello, friend. I'm Ron Jones of Something Good Radio. The Bible is the best-selling book of all time, but let's face it. It can also be a challenge to read because it contains more than 600,000 words, two testaments, and 66 different books. But how does it all fit together? How do we clearly understand God's continuous story from Genesis to Revelation? That's why I wrote my new book, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. Volume one based on the 39 books of the Old Testament is now available, and I'd like to send you a copy. Here's Brian with details. Ron's new book, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, Volume 1, Old Testament, is now available. For a gift of $30 or more, request your copy of the 384-page book today. When you order the print book, you'll also get instant access to the Route 66 Digital Library, a $275 value. The Digital Library contains 66 video sermons, 66 audio messages, 66 downloadable sermon notes, and 8 eBooks. To order your copy of The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, Volume 1, Old Testament, go to somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Well, Pastor Ron, I'm sure many of our listeners are looking forward to reading this important book. I know I am. Talk about some of the challenges you faced as you put this project together. And tell us why this two-volume book can be such a great resource for those listening right now. Brian, I knew the ultimate road trip through the Bible would be a pretty big challenge to write as a two-volume set. As challenging to write as the Bible is intimidating for some people to read. But it was truly a labor of love, as is reading God's Word from Genesis to Revelation. I'm hopeful that these resources will show the readers just how beautifully the whole of the Bible fits together into an inspired and unified love letter from God to every member of His creation. 
Thanks, Pastor Ron. Stop by somethinggoodradio.org to order Volume 1 of this great resource for your gift of $30 or more. Or call our offices at 757-276-1099. If you would like to mail your check, our address is P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456. And as I was preparing this week, I, I jotted down this little question for myself. If Jesus is the great I am, then who am I? Who am I? Why Jesus may be one of the great questions of our generation, right? Why Jesus and not this? Why Jesus and not some other belief system or value system or religious leader? But the question of the ages for human beings like you and me is, Who am I? And why am I here? That's next time when Ron shares part two of his message, The Power of I Am. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.